Good morning, everybody. Why don't you turn in that Bible or your app to Exodus chapter 20. If you're visiting just here for the week or uh, you're just new to checking out Sunset, welcome. We're in about a two and a half month look at the um, Ten Commandments, but we're not looking at it just to see what are the moral principles that are supposed to apply to everyone or here's a good moral code that Christians can base their life on. We're actually looking further deeper. How do we read most of the Bible? How do we read the Old Testament? What do you do with these huge sections of laws that God gave ancient Israel? Do they matter to us? Do I, do I live them out as Israel did, or are they speaking to something more profound? And I hope it's been helpful so far. We've looked at the first two commandments. We're going to look at the third commandment this morning. So why don't we just read the text, and we'll, uh, we'll jump right in. Uh, we're going to read all of Exodus 20 up until the command we're going to look at. So start in verse 1. It says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then out of that, here, here's a command. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's where we've been so far, and then we'll continue now. Verse 7 is where we're going to focus this morning. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Let's pray and uh, let's consider this. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you gave Israel all of these words and now you've given them to us. And so we want to hear them. We want to see them for the way that you intended them. We want to live it out somehow. So God, open our minds to see. Open our ears to hear what your voice is saying to our soul about life today. We want to live more like you, Jesus. And we confess we don't exactly know how. So show us the way. Uh, Amen. So uh, if you've been here, I, I told you, every week we're going to look at five questions. So Write them down. When you come, if you have your Bible, already set it up by writing out these five questions. And the reason we're looking at these five is to learn how to study the Bible. Part of our goal as a leadership team here at the church is to equip you to read the Bible every day. And so I'm not exaggerating when I say I look at the text each week and I'm asking myself these five questions. And then in doing a little bit of research and a little bit of study and presenting it to you. But you can do this as well. All right? It takes me more time to figure out the jokes to make you laugh. The rest is fairly straightforward. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I actually have to think through the humor because you're complex. You're hard to please. Anyway, that was my joke. All right. What am I supposed to learn is the first question that we're asking ourselves. Uh, what, what am I supposed to learn? That's the big picture question. It takes the other four to answer the first one. But primarily, what am I supposed to learn? Why? If you're new, we have said that All of God's law applies to us in this sense. 
2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God-breathed and profitable for teaching. So every bit of what God said matters, although we have to ask the questions to find out how it matters today. What am I uh, supposed to learn? I want us just to look at the progression, because some of it is just right there in front of us. Did you notice where it started? Look back at verse 3. Have no other gods, because God is the one, Yahweh is his name. Yahweh saves, Yahweh sets them free, so don't have any other god. There's competition. But Yahweh is saying, I love you. I rescued you. Therefore, covenant relationship. Remember, covenant is what God's calling his people into. And it is a relationship based on promises and commitments. God makes promises. God makes commitments. God initiates. And then he says, okay, if you want to relate, because I've done all this for you and I love you. Now, don't cheat on me. Second one is in verse 4. Don't make an image. Remember, we saw that, that idols try to put God in a box. They try to make him smaller than he is. So, so don't use anything and don't let other things in this world. Don't let your job. Don't let this pursuit. Don't let this person replace me, says God. Even though they may be good, even though that may be great, it can be an idol to you and to me if it, if it puts God in a box, if it pushes God out. We saw those. That makes sense. Now, the third one talks about not misusing the name. And here's what I want us to think about what we're called to learn. God has a name. That is the point of the third commandment, is to remind Israel and to remind us. In Hebrew, it, it, is, it is four letters to which we do it in English, Y, um, W, H, W, Yahweh. But, but how do you figure out who God is? I just want us to see something. While you can't limit God by an idol, we're supposed to know him. Now, this may seem like common sense, but how do you, how do you make this make sense? God says, don't make any image that's like me. Well, but they're supposed to proclaim his name to the nations. The only way in their culture for them to proclaim what their God is like is to show what the God is like. So God says, I'm going to give you my name, and my name is the way that people are going to know about me. Now, in any culture, we get this. In any culture, a name is a symbol for what a person or a thing represents. So why, why didn't you just give your kids a number? One, two, three, four. You know, that would be easier. What? Why is it that when a, a couple is about to have a child, there's this mystery surrounding what are you going to name him or her? Why do you take so much time and pay careful attention? Because that, that name represents, it's supposed to say something about who this person is going to be. Remember, in the Bible, even more than our culture, biblical culture, Names were very symbolic, and they were very significant. So when you're reading the Gospels, there's a big deal about what they're going to call Jesus. Remember in the Bible, if you've been reading through in Genesis, Jacob, who's in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, Jacob's name means seize by the heel or deceive. And so Jacob is a deceiver from the beginning. He lives into his name. His name means something. You remember Joshua who brought the people of, of Israel after getting this law into the land of promise. 
Moses renames him Joshua. His, his original name means save, but, but he calls him Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. And what does Joshua lean into? He spends his life taking the people into God's salvation. Names mean something. So Yahweh's name, the reason he gives us letters that represent who he is, is because he wants his people to know who he is in his essence. We're not to make an image, but we are to know him. God has a name. Now, we're not going to get into all of this because we actually did a teaching series some years ago, and it's on our website. If you go to the teaching, click the teaching button, you'll see everything that's ever been taught here since day one. And there's little, you know, graphics that say the series. And there's one that says God has a name. Seven messages describing the name of God. Because later, Yahweh, in Exodus 34, tells Moses and spells out the essence of his name. And so I encourage you, use it as part of your devotion. Listen to those. Even if you were here years ago, pretend like it's new, all right? And frankly, you forgot all of it. It was like three years ago. You don't remember any of it. So just pretend it's new to you. All right, second question. So first thing, what am I supposed to learn? God has a name. Second thing, what does this law mean to ancient Israel? What did it mean for them? Why did God give it at this time? Now let's just look at it again. Read verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. It's just kind of vague. Let's just be honest. What does it mean to misuse? And then look at the penalty for failing this one. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. How's that for specific? Don't misuse it. And by the way, if you misuse it, you're guilty. Guilty of what? How? It's, it's of all the commandments so far, this one seems pretty vague. The, the English Standard Version interprets it this way. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's how I grew up remembering this one. Don't take it in vain. I just didn't know what in vain meant. So I was just scared to death. If I ever say a slight curse with the name Jesus or God, it's over. Toast, you know, because don't take the Lord's name in vain. I don't even know what that was about, but I was scared. And probably you are too. Now, what, what is a good rendition? I think a, a, an even clearer transit would be do not lift up Yahweh's name for no good. Don't lift up. That's the essence of the Hebrew. Don't take God's name and, and put it up in a way that is not good. Now, because it's vague, it's been interpreted a bunch of ways, and you probably fall in one of these. And let's just look at them. What does it mean to misuse the name? It means don't use it as a guarantee. When you're going to court, and, and, and you're going to present your case, don't, don't say, so help me God. Like, I'm telling the truth, so help me God. Because you, you're, you're making the creator, you're making Yahweh as part of your legal defense. And frankly, you're not all that innocent. You're guilty of something, right? May not be that particular crime, may not be that particular accusation, but he is holy. He's like no one else. He's perfect. Don't just Join him to your team. Is that what it means? Be careful about putting God on your side because you may be skewed. God may be on the other person's side. That's one way. Second way is don't use it flippantly. Uh, protect God's honor. Don't make light of God. Don't say something about him that's not true. Don't just be loose about God. And, and in our ordinary lingo, 
let's, let's just confess, even as Jesus followers, we're pretty flippant about the name Jesus. We're pretty flippant about God, right? And I'm not just thinking the negative, like, blank, damn it, or whatever. I'm just saying we treat him in a casual way, and we, I, often don't respect him for who he is. He's not just a friend, although he is a friend. He's not just a father, although he is a father. He is the creator. There's no one like him. And maybe that's it. Or the third one, don't use it as a curse. And by that I mean don't take God and place his judgment on other people. I'm telling you, if you do this, then God is going to get you. Right? Don't be the person who says, I know God, and I know what God's for and what God's against. And I'm warning you. Because if you read Exodus 34 and if you read Exodus 20, you know that he's full of love and compassion and he forgives sin. So maybe it's like I'm not supposed to talk about God in a way that would be less than who he is. Now, which of these is right? All of them. All of them are right in one sense. Uh, one author, John Durham, who wrote a good commentary about Exodus 20, he puts it this way. Yahweh's name must be honored, blessed, praised, celebrated, invoked, pronounced, and so shared. Catch this line. To treat Yahweh's name with disrespect is to treat his gift lightly, undermine his power, scorn his presence, and misrepresent to the family of humankind his very nature as when he reveals himself to Moses, he says, I am that I am. So to misrepresent who he is, the very nature as the one who always is. We often misuse the name. So now how did Israel, because remember, we want to see what it was to them before what it is to us. How did they treat this commandment? Unequivocally, there's one thing we know. The people of, of God, the people of Israel, even to this day, have taken this at face value. So much so that they won't use the word God. They'll, they'll use the Hebrew word Hashem, which means the name. They call God the name. They don't write the name. I grew up in New York in a very Jewish community, and whenever the word God came up, it's G and a dash D. You would never, even in English, you would never have the audacity to write the reverent, the holy name. Even those who really aren't following him respect this because throughout history, there has been a, a reverence and a fear about misusing the name, even though we don't exactly know what misusing it is. So we do know that Israel took this as an important command. Now, why did God give it? That's the third question. So, so what am I supposed to learn in this? What am, what am I supposed to get? What did it mean to Israel? And then, I need to ask why. Why did God give it? Now, this is my like, kind of take on it. And I think I maybe sort of, kind of, hopefully, right? It would be convenient on a Sunday morning, right? I think it's less about protecting God and more about protecting us. I think that God gives this commandment early on. Remember, the first four about how we relate to God. The final six about how we relate to each other. Because Jesus even said, love God with everything and your neighbor as yourself. And so the heart of the Ten Commandments is that we would be right with God and right with each other. If I'm not right with you, I cannot be right with God. So think about that one for a second. 
To be right with God requires that I be right with you. That's how God's family works. So why did God give it? Remember, Israel is called to represent God's name to the nations. The point of God speaking to one group is not to be exclusive. It's to be attractive. God wants to attract the world. So what he does is he puts love on display. And if you've ever seen a couple or a family, a relationship where love is like flourishing, it becomes attractive. You ever, like, if you're a younger married couple or single looking for a long-term relationship, you ever just look at a couple and say, like, wow, someday I want to be like them. Well, God to Israel is supposed to be like that for the world. As they see that the creator God and his love for the people, they would make life with God attractive. So they must represent his name right or rightly. Now, let me illustrate this because this is kind of ethereal. When I was uh, 20 years old, I was uh, still a college student, and I was about to get engaged to my now wife, Carmen, my future father-in-law owned a business in New York. Um, delis are abounding. So it was Carmen's Deli. Like, they're like, kind of like 7-Elevens, but they're everywhere, right? Like small supermarkets and making sandwiches and all sorts of stuff. So my, fa- my future father-in-law, Ray, owned Carmen's Deli, but Carmen's Deli wasn't named after my wife. It was actually named after his wife. So my mother-in-law's name is Carmen. So I've got mother-in-law Carmen, wife Carmen, and then he's Ray, and he named his son Ray. Ray, Ray, Carmen, Carmen. It's why we moved away. No, it's not, not really. It's not. It's because it's they're crazy. Anyway. But uh, so he was, he was running this, this small business. And so I came back. I, I went away to college, but I was home for the summer. And so I got back, and he was exhausted. I mean, the stress of running this business. And he's like, Jose, I need to take a break. Could you help me? I'm like, certainly. And he's like, I'm going to go to Puerto Rico for three weeks. Can you run the business? I'm like, sure, I'm studying the Bible. I can do anything. So I'm, like a, I'm a Bible student. So yeah, sure, I'll, I'll run the business. No, no problem at all. So here I am, 20-year-old, running a business in New York. Absolutely clueless, but I had the name. I was called to represent Ray Rios at Carmen's Deli. So for three weeks... When there was any banking issue, I carried his name. With the vendors coming in every day, making orders and back orders and payments and all of that, I held in my hands the power to hire and fire, to see his business flourish or fail. I mean, I could have bought a car. Why didn't I buy a car? Because I didn't want to get killed by misusing his name. So I carried the name, even though the name is not mine, the business was not mine, I was brought into it. Now do you see where God is going with this? You and I are called to carry the name, to take God's name, and let people see what God is like. But with that privilege and opportunity, there is a responsibility. We can misuse the name. And God's saying, Because you're my children, because I love you, because I trust you, just be careful that, like I, for three weeks, now the business was still there. And I realized, wow, everyone wants to have higher responsibility until you have it. And then you realize, 
man, like being God would be really hard. If running Carmen's Deli was hard, I can't even imagine trying to be as amazing as God is. So you and I should not cheat on God and we shouldn't make him smaller than he is and we should hold his name as holy because God's name, and not just his name, what God is about matters. And in this world, people have a skewed view of God. Would you agree? A skewed view of who God is, of what he's like. But guess what? You and I have the name because the name represents the person. And God isn't a force. He is realer than real is real. There is nothing apart from God. The very fact that you can even process anything is a small reflection of the greatness of the God who made you in his image. You are not an animal roaming the jungle. And we should thank God. Not only does he have a name, but who he is has been implanted on my DNA. Whether I follow Jesus or not, I am made in the image and the likeness of God. That is amazing. Now we carry that name. All right. So what does this law reveal about God's heart? So if God gave it, I think, to protect the people from abusing his name, what does it reveal about his heart? Write this down. God trusts you with his name. Now we read it because it's written in the negative. Don't misuse the name. I will not withhold my guilt from those who misuse the name. But let's flip it to the positive. Use the name. If you, if you negate everything, you make it a positive, and it says the same thing. Don't misuse means properly use the name. God has given us himself. Now I say the name, I'm just not just saying a blanket statement. Like I was in relationship with my soon-to-be father-in-law at the time. Because of our relationship, I could exercise authority in its proper place, but I was given the right to stand in for someone. I didn't pay any money for this business. I didn't do all the hard work, but I got the benefit and the privilege of being a part of what God was doing in Carmen's Deli. All the more, if you're a Jesus follower, you have the name. That is, you've been brought into relationship with Jesus. And because I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me, there is something that can happen in my life that's bigger. There's something that can happen through my life that's more profound and more world-shaping. Because I don't just represent me and I don't just represent the people around me. I am a child of God. And God is entrusting me with his name. Some of us just need to be reminded. You say, well, Jose, I'm not very trustworthy. I agree. Neither was Israel. Neither am I. So don't think for one second that God is saying, if you stack up, I'll give you my name. <laughs> so far, this group of people has done nothing, and they're about to moan and groan. They've moaned and groaned from the moment God set them free. They're going to do a lot more moaning and groaning and complaining. But you know what? God still trusts them with the name. So you don't have to be great in, in people's sight to be used by God. You just need to know who he is and take one step in his name. Isn't that good? You can make a difference, not only in your own world, but in the world 
uh, the world of the lives of the people around you because you carry the name. All right, so number five, what are the implications based on our New Testament situation? So if this meant don't take God's name and like attach it to yourself, like so help me God, or don't curse or all that. If all that's true, what does Jesus speak into this situation? What does he have to say? What does the New Testament say? Remember, when we're reading the first part of the Bible, it's the first part. All of it's profitable, but if I want to know what God thinks about something, I need to remember Exodus 3, God, all he tells Moses is, I am that I am. Exodus 20, God lists out more about, through his Ten Commandments, about himself. Exodus 34, he spills the beans, so to speak. And he gives this elaborate statement about his name. So I read the Bible moving in a direction in order to fully know what God meant by this. I have to consider Jesus and the New Testament writers. Now, what does Jesus say? Matthew 6, we'll put it on the screen, 9 to 10. When Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Great is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just look at what he says. Our what? Father. Remember, God's call to Israel is reaffirmed by Jesus in that they were brought into covenant relationship, a long-term relationship based on promises and, and commitments. And Jesus says to his disciples and to us, when you talk to, to God, you are talking to your Father. You are already in relationship with Him. So, so we affirm, you are great. So, so carrying the name, and hear me, this third commandment is in this prayer. How? Great is your name, and because your name is great, you are great. Therefore, when I come to you, I'm not going to misuse that name. When we pray, the invitation, how do I apply this for us? When I pray, I want my prayers to be in line with the heart and character of God. To misuse the name would be to ask him for things that are totally contradictory to who he is. So it's not like I'm afraid to pray. No, 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 no. It's that because I say, great is your name, God, as I come to you, I want my prayer to line up with your heart. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. I am not going to say, God, I want you to, I want you to do this to this person because of what they've done to me. Be careful about trying to twist God's arm in your prayer, saying, God, because you love me, I think they need some, and then go dark right? That would be misusing the name. Why? Because great is your name and Yahweh, Yahweh, right? The God of gods, full of love and compassion, forgiving sin. He's a God of mercy. So that's one way that I can properly use the name is when I pray, I can ask for the things that God would ask for and not be selfish. Now God invites us to carry his name. Look at Matthew 18 and Mark 9. Jesus says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. To use the name right 
In Jesus's lingo, in their case, as the disciples and others were pushing kids to the fringe, Jesus pulls one to the center, says, anyone who welcomes this young one in my name, anyone who extends the grace, the love, the mercy to this one in my name, they're welcoming me. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of, coal, a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose the reward. So it's not just about verbal things like, hey, be careful if you say that and you, you're allowed to say the other. Rather, it is the fact that like I was representing my father-in-law in his business, there are many ways that I can use or abuse his name. And as a follower of Jesus, there are many ways that I can use well or misuse his name. When, when, when the kids right now, your children, when they're over there and some people have said, I want to come to the eleven and worship there because I'm going to come early and I'm going to take time and I'm going to think through a Bible lesson or I'm going to prepare a game or, or I'm just going to be there to laugh and play or I'm going to hold and rock if they're small. When they're extending love in Jesus' name, they're welcoming God. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. When you serve and love and care, think of you know, foster parents' night out. When you say, you know what, I'm going to give up my date night in the name of Jesus, or just my chill night in the name of Jesus, so that some other mom and dad who've welcomed other kids into their house, so they can have a nap, or a quad shot Americano, which, I don't know, I'll go with the quad shot any day, but they can have some, some two hours, three hours of joy I'm willing to sacrifice. See, when you do that, you're using the name. And in that, Jesus says there's reward. Look at John 16, probably one of the most clear statements. In that day, speaking of post his resurrection, uh, in, in that day you'll no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name, Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. The Father himself loves you because you've loved me and have believed that I come from God. I come from the Father and I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. But Jesus is saying, He's telling his disciples, He's speaking to us that hey, while He was on the earth. They were asking, hey, Jesus, will you, will, Jesus, would you, would, you, would you heal this person? Jesus, would you do this? And then he says, you just need to know where this is headed. My Father loves you. So let me just remind you in Jesus' name. The Father loves you. The Father has accepted you. You say, but I have, yes, in spite of what you have, what you are, and what you will do, the Father loves you. The Father has given you his name. The Father affirms you <laughs> and crazy, the Father trusts you. Now, you want to talk about the scandal of the good news of Jesus is that the Father trusts us with anything. The fact that my future father in law, Ray, would trust me with his store for three weeks says one of two things one, he's, he's ready to give me his daughter, or two, he was just burnt to a crisp <laughs> and needed to get out of Dodge. I'm not going to ask him which was the one. I'm going to go. In my brain, it's because he trusted me. 
But the Father trusts you, and the Father loves you, and he affirms you. So because you belong to Jesus, whether you believe it or not, you carry his name. So Jesus says, I want you to ask for things that are on my heart, because as you begin to ask, Father, I want to be useful. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to give you specific ways that you can carry his name. In as little of a cup of water, literally, there are cups of water handed out before I get up to teach. Coffee. In your sunset community, as you hear about needs and meet them, as you hear about life and step in with words of affirmation, with prayer, with scripture, in your place of business or where you go to school or live, as you live the Jesus life, you are carrying the name. So much so, I'll give you another like visual of this that's probably a little clear. It's from, from Paul's thinking. It's not an exact parallel, but he's saying a similar thought. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. It says, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, the new creation has come. Pause on that one just for a second. The new creation has come. What God is going to do in the future, the new creation is when God takes this sin-wrecked world and makes it brand new. There will come a day in the future, and that's what he's alluding to. In the future, God's going to take what was at the beginning, man and woman, in the garden, flourishing, presence of God, no sin. God is going to do that again. He's not going to blow this planet up. He's going to remake it. And the presence of God, read Revelation, the presence of God will be with men and women forever. It will be like the garden, but better. So God is going to remake this. So he says, if anyone comes to Jesus Christ, the new creation has come. What, ha what will happen in the future has happened in you. Friend, if you choose today to follow Jesus, and by that I mean like you accept the fact that you're not his follower and you've actually broken the Ten Commandments, which doesn't mean like, oh, you're just like, a sinner who deserves to go to jail, it just means you're not like God. You're unlike him, but yet you're made like him. And you say to that good, good father, I repent. That is, I admit that I am not in line with who you created me to be, but I want to be. And in Jesus, there's provision for me, grace for me, forgiveness for me. He takes the sin he takes the burden. He takes the punishment. I get the benefit of a second, third, fourth, 150th chance. When you come to follow Jesus, the new creation comes to you. You are not the same human being. Hear me. You don't have a cape. You don't have superpowers. But you have the name of God written on your heart. And my friend, you don't need superpowers. You don't need a great job. You don't need a ton of cash. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is what? It's here. All this, catch this, is from God. God does this. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Uh, this is what I want you to see. To carry the name we could just put it this way. In our lingo, it's we're ambassadors because we kind of get what that means. An ambassador is not the leader. They represent the leader. 
They're not the one with all the authority, but they have delegated authority. An ambassador takes the will of the sovereign, whether it's a king or a president or a prime minister, and enacts the will on their behalf. Could an ambassador get it wrong? Yes. They can misrepresent the name of the person who sent them. But let's not go negative. Let's think positively. The ambassador can stand in for the Father. And so in a real sense, because God is working towards new creation, he's pulling the world in this direction. Things are getting worse here. But it's not going to end at a dismal failure. God is going to win. Until then, he is winning. When any man or woman or boy or girl comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the win that will happen happens in you. And when that happens, my friend, everything changes because God loves you. He says, now you're an ambassador. You could be one hour into following Jesus and represent him. He loves you that much. He trusts you that much. Now, so what does it look like for us to misuse the name? Well, on one side, we've got to confess. As a church, and if you're not yet following Jesus, I'm with you on this part. We have messed this up. We're going to own that. At times in the church's history, in times in our own history, we've misused the name. We've said that Jesus wants us to do this, only to discover later on that was not the heart of Jesus. I'll give you the totally extreme example. You don't blow up an abortion clinic in the name of Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy someone else's property. I'm going to risk other people's lives in the name of Jesus because Jesus doesn't want that life taken. I'm going to take that life. Now that's, that's the extreme but there's all sorts of grades of in-between that we have misused the name. But we, we end on this note. Beautiful things have happened in the name. So right now there are people serving kids in this community in the name. There are people serving foster parents in this community in the name. Many of you, over 130 of you, have, have chosen to sponsor a child and spend $40 a month not on yourself, but on the life of a child you may never meet. You're carrying the name. And I'm just using kids as one example. We can go through every line of life and see how we are representing his name. So the question is, how will you carry the name? Let's look at a direct implication. And this is so obvious, but it needs to be said. How you live matters. How you live right now, your life actually matters. Because you have been made free by God, you have not been made free from God. Catch that. You've been made free by God, but not from God. So the freedom, much of what Paul writes about in the New Testament, about not sinning, isn't about if you measure up, God will accept you. It's like, guys, you've been changed by God. And now you're going to live without him? Are you crazy? So the call is to live up to who I am already in, Jesus Christ. Because I have been set free, I can now live like a free person. But not free from God, free for God. To be used by him and loved by him and changed by him 
and to be a light to the nations, which was the call of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel. That through this people, the world would believe. Man, you have power because you have the name. So don't misuse it, right? God's amazing. Live in light of his amazing person and his power. Carry the name. What does that mean for you? Here's a tip. I don't have to tell you. God's already given you his Holy Spirit. And his Spirit, who is God himself, come to live and reside in and with you, can direct the specific things that you need to do this week to carry the name. And when, when we discover places where we're misusing it, we just repent and say, God, man, I, I'm going to own up to that. But thank you, Holy Spirit, that I have the forgiveness of Jesus. Now, give me the power this week to carry and not misuse the name. Lord, we thank you that your power is enough for us. We thank you that your presence is enough for us. We invite you, Spirit of God, we invite you, Spirit of God, to examine our way. As the psalmist said centuries ago, search our heart. See if there's any unaligned way within us. That's what we ask for, Jesus. See if there's anything within us that needs to be removed so that we can and be ambassadors represent you to our family and to the world. Jesus, thank you that you save. And thank you for saving us. Amen.